right up next to the Kyle house, and there's this sign in the yard that says, free root beer after the football game this Friday. And I remember looking out and going, oh, that's awesome, like, free root beer after every football game. Like, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going there, like, sometime. And so, obviously, we did something different that night, and you guys laugh because you know it's root beer kegger. And so I had to wait a year to get my free root beer. But it was, it was fun. So I, that was my first experience with Chi Alpha. Um, uh, Monday came around, and Mom and Dad dropped me off on campus. We all know the feeling. Mom and Dad drop us off, give us the kick. You're on your own. Good luck. And so I'm feeling like I don't know anybody on campus. You know, I've got a couple friends from high school. They weren't really the best influence for me. And I really wanted to live li- a life for Christ more when I came here. And so um, I didn't really have a Christian community or anything. I didn't really know of Chi Alpha anything. And I am walking through the Cirque this Monday, feeling very alone. I don't know anybody. And I see this big poster. And I, s- I swear now, like, I thought it was like 12 feet. Like, it feels like it was 12 feet high, like four feet wide. XA, Christian community. And I'm like, oh, friends. And so I, like, <laughs> walk over and, hey, how's it going? My name's Brandon. Oh, I'm Taylor. Hi, Taylor. It's nice to meet you. What's your name? Oh, I'm Cassidy. Oh, hi, Cassidy. It's nice to meet you. And they handed me the slip. And Taylor goes, yeah, man, you should come to our meeting on Tuesday. I'm like, meeting? What? That's a very interesting word to use. Why meeting? Like, okay, so uh, it's going to be, like, 15 minutes. I'll, like, show up. There'll be, like, pastor there. They'll be like, yeah, this is Kai Alpha. Come back next week for church. So I'm like, okay. So I show up on Tuesday, and there's like 115 students. Oh, this, this is church. <laughs> so if you want your friends to come to Chi Alpha, just tell them to come to the meeting on Tuesday, and they'll think it's like 15 minutes long. So anyway, so I uh, got involved in Taylor and Tony's core, and I started going to Chi Alpha each week. And by the end of my junior year, I got asked to be a part of the facilitator team, and that was something that I really wanted to do. And so I joined the facilitator team going into my senior year, and I started leading a Bible study my senior year. And the Lord just really started to soften my heart towards ministry. And, like, each and every week, it was just like, man, this is really good. Like, can I do this, like, full-time <laughs> or something? And I heard about the internship, obviously, so I decided to sign up, uh, well, to apply at least to do the internship. And now I am an intern. This is my first year, and it's great. And I encourage you all to consider doing it at some point. Not only did I fall in love with ministry, I fell in love with this woman. Yeah, you like the trans... Thank you. (laughs) So this is a photo of Mayor and I. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So I was a junior in college. Mayor is a first-year staff member. She's in the back if you want to make her face turn a little bit red. You just wave at her. Hi, Mayor. Yeah, so there was a little bit of flirting happening by one of us. It was just me. I'm not going to get her in trouble at all, so it was just, just me. And uh, anyways, I, I thought she was pretty cute, and so I started to talk to her, and we started going out at the end of my junior year. And then this last December, we actually got engaged. So I, yeah, so I asked her to marry me up at the water tower, uh, if you want to hear the story, you talk to me later, but it's too long of a story. But um, anyway, she's pretty great. I'm excited to marry her this summer, and God is good. God answers prayers, right? So anyway, so we're going we're gonna to continue our series tonight on First Thessalonians. And a little bit, um, well, actually, the, um, the title of tonight's message is Living Out Witness. And so if you would all turn with me to Acts 17, 1 through 10. 
we're going to get a little bit of backstory on First Thessalonians and Paul and Silas's visit to First Thessalonians. What's the Thessalonians? So Dane is actually going to read for us tonight. He's going to be our volunteer. And so whenever you're ready, my man, go ahead and get started. Thank you, Dane. So what if I told you guys that all of the staff, the interns, and the facilitators were all going to flee Central tonight because of persecution? What if you wouldn't hear from us for at least a couple of months? You wouldn't hear from Michael for at least two years. How would your relationship with God be affected? Facilitators, imagine you leave your core member tonight. You'll never see him again. Have you taught them well? Paul, Silas, and the Thessalonian church experienced something very similar to this. And so tonight, we're going to put ourselves in the Thessalonians' shoes. So imagine for me, Ellensburg is now Thessalonica. There's no other Christian influence at all. Okay, there's no salt, no resonate, no Chi Alpha, no churches, nothing. No Christian influence at all. Okay, so Paul and Silas come to us, and they start to tell us about Jesus. I like to think that they come to the Cirque Pit and tell everybody about Jesus there. And Paul starts to reason with us um, and tell us the scriptures about Jesus. And we're like, heck yeah, this guy sounds awesome. Like, this guy died for our sins. This is the son of God. What? Our sins are forgiven in him if we like follow him. So we're like, duh, we're going to follow this guy. This guy's great. We all become brand new believers. Okay, we're baby Christians. Okay, brand new. And Paul and Silas spend about four weeks with us, maybe five. And then persecution from outside of church, outside of our church, forces them to leave. And all we've got is now memories of them, and we've got the Bible, what the biblical text was. So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 16, to see how Paul and Silas went about living among the Thessalonians. And Maggie is going to read that for us. Where are you? There you are, Maggie. So whenever you're ready, it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 16. Thank you, Maggie. So what's the first thing that Paul demonstrates to us? He tells us about Jesus. He tells the gospel to the Thessalonians, the good news of the resurrection of Christ. He tells us of how we need to turn from our old ways and follow Jesus. We need to surrender our life and follow Jesus. Paul's obviously obeying Jesus' commission in Matthew 28, 19 where he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So there must be something important about telling others about Jesus. That's what we saw from Paul. Maybe you've never heard that commission before. I'm sure the Thessalonians had never heard it either. We're now a team of disciple makers. We're making disciples. So how many of us have non-Christian friends that we want to see? Meet Jesus. Come on. So let's look and see how Paul went about telling others. We see in Acts 17 that Paul reasons with Scripture. I don't know about you. I find that extremely comforting that there wasn't this lengthy speech that Paul was just super good at public speaking and he just nailed it. You know, he's, he's reasoning with them Scripture. Like he's using the Bible to tell them about Jesus. And we too need to tell our friends about Jesus. In verse 13, it says, and we thank God, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. And Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard about the word, uh, through the word about Christ. So our friends deserve to know about Jesus. 
And the Bible is a powerful tool to help us tell them about him. So let's read verses 3 through 6 again. I'll read that. Starting in verse 3. But the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know that we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Have you ever tried to win God's approval? Have you ever tried to do a little bit extra God time? Oh, like, I just need like, God's approval today. I'm going to do like a little bit extra God time today. Or I'm going to like go tell somebody about Jesus because like, I really just want to be approved by God today. Paul demonstrates a pre-approval recognition. Like, Paul understood that he was pre-approved by God before he even went out. He didn't need to do anything. He was pre-approved. I don't know about you. Do you remember applying and waiting for a school to get back to you? Applying and waiting. You're so anxious to get accepted. Do you remember when you got accepted and how good that felt? Even though at Central, we accept everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I had to say it. I had to say it. Oh, my gosh. I still feel good. I still feel good when I uh, go Wildcats. So <laughs> as Christ followers, you're, you're already approved by God. You're pre-approved. And I want you to really rest in that. I want you to think about that. Like you're pre-approved by God. How many times have we shared the gospel because we have to? We have evangelism class homework. Oh, i got to get my homework done. we got SBO homework. Oh, before SBO, i got to get my homework done. i gotta go. got to go friending. When I uh, lived in my folks' home, my chore was doing the dishes. <laughs> I wasn't good at doing the dishes. I wasn't a fan of the dishes either. And whenever, whenever mom would tell me, like, every day, we go do the dishes, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll go do the dishes. Walk over, and I do the dishes. I had a kind of poopy attitude about it. Probably didn't do the best job. She knows. I didn't have the best attitude about it. Um, but then there'd be, there'd be days where I knew that the dishes needed to be done, and I, I love my folks, and I knew that it pleased them when I got it done without them having to tell me. And I would do such a better job. I'd enjoy the process so much more. It was like, it was just so much better. And it's the same way when we tell others about Jesus. Our pure motivation is because we love God. It pleases him when we tell others about him. And God deserves people to know him. Okay, our second principle of sharing the gospel is be straightforward and honest. When we share the gospel, do we leave out parts that we know people don't want to hear? Or do we share with them the whole truth? I had a buddy. I love him. He was a, he's still a non-believer, and um, he knew I was a Christian, and we had a great relationship, and we'd have really good conversations about the Bible and, and Jesus, and um, we, just, we have really good conversations. And, and one day, we're just chilling in, like, a living room, and he, he goes, all right, Mr. Christian, so, so if, I, if I die today and I don't believe in Jesus, I don't, I don't want to surrender my life to him. What's going to happen to me? <sighs> well, buddy, if you die today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you're going to go to hell. I know all of us are feeling that kind of weight right now. I was definitely feeling that. I'm expecting him to just, just give me one hit, like, in the face to drop me. It's a hard subject, you know. 
but I loved him enough to tell him the truth. It was hard. And you know what happened? Instead of him punching me in the face, stands up, comes over to me, and he kind of gives me this side hug, and he goes, really glad we talked about this today. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> like, Thank you, Lord. Oh, my gosh, that's all you. So please, please don't hear my heart to go tell people they're going to hell. I don't think that's a very effective way of loving people. Hear my heart to tell people the truth. Don't dumb it down because you think that it needs to be dumbed down. Tell them the truth. Be straightforward. Have you ever told someone that, that your life gets easier once you start to follow Jesus? We're all, we're all convicted of that. That's a fact. I know I definitely have. We should stop doing that. John 16.33 says that I have told, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I started following Jesus for the first time about like 19 years old. I started following the Lord at like 19. And just one day, just like life was not going right. Like there was something in my heart that was missing. And and I was just trying to fill life with, with things that wasn't Christ. And I was trying to like make other things a priority. And just one night in my bedroom, the Lord really softened my heart. And I just kind of lifted my hands up and said, you know what? Jesus, I'm done living life for myself. Like, I want to live it for you now. Like, I'm just, I'm just done doing it myself. I can't do it anymore. Did life get easier? In that same year, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and my world is shit. But I had hope. I had hope because she loved Jesus, and I knew that she would be with him forever. I knew that her life was in his hands. Life doesn't get easier. Real life still happens. And if somebody starts to follow Jesus with the, the mindset of my life's going to get easier now and my life's going to get better now, it's not, it's not a good motivation to follow Christ. Obviously, praise God, she fought, th- you know, she fought through it, and uh, she's cancer-free today. <laughs> so how do Paul and Silas act around the new Thessalonian believers? I'm going to read for us verses 7 through 12 again. So if you turn with me to verse 7. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So Paul's reminding the Thessalonians of how him and Silas acted around them. And so remember, there's, there's tons of persecution going on outside of the church, and there's likely a ton of people talking real bad about Paul. And there's, it's really, uh, it's, it was normal back in the day for, like, um, like travel speakers to come in to Thessalonica and just kind of, like, drop their philosophy and then dip. And they were, like, not in it for, like, the right reasons. They were just in it for the money and the greed. But they'd come in, and then they'd be out. And so Paul's reminding them, I wasn't like that. Me and Silas weren't like that. And he's using really intimate relationships to remind them of how they lived among them. A nursing mother, children. We're an encouraging father to you. 
Remember, these, these Thessalonians are brand new believers. So how does this speak to us? Our lives are to be shared with others, especially new believers. So what happens after tonight when you're like, dang, okay, I'm pre-approved by God, let's go. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to like use scripture and like, yeah, let's go. You go out and you tell somebody about Jesus and they're like, yeah, this guy is great. Man, I want to follow this guy. Are you supposed to just like, nice, all right, good luck. <laughs> Get out of there? No, absolutely not. We're supposed to share a life with them. Uh, Taylor and Tony invested their life into mine when I was, when I was new in Chi Alpha. I was young in my faith. They, they made it a priority to spend time with me, not only just in Chi Alpha and Core, but they spent time with me outside of Chi Alpha. Tony made sure that I knew his wife, Melissa. Taylor was inviting me over to do, I don't know what the heck we did. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Taylor was inviting, we were doing something, man. We were spending the night doing waffles. I don't know. We were doing something fun, so. <laughs> we're supposed to sh- let's share our lives with people. So all this I've been encouraging us with has been influenced by Paul and Silas sharing their lives among new believers, brand new believers. So does that mean that we're only supposed to apply this if we're surrounded by new believers? 1 Thessalonians 1.8 says that the Lord's message rang out from not only in Macedo- from you, rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. So the story of the Thessalonians is ringing across Asia, and everyone's talking about them. What the heck's going on? These guys are different. There's something different about their lives. Think about the culture around the Thessalonians. They've got tons of, like, the people outside of Christianity, they've got pagan idols, so they've built these idols to worship on their own. So they're worshiping things other than God. They're surrounded by Greek influence. Thank you, Jesus, no Greek life. And sexual immorality is really prevalent around them. People are sleeping with each other. Sound like college culture? <laughs> uh, I studied film here when I was a student. And I remember my junior year of college, I just did not feel like I belonged in my major. Like, I was going to Chi Alpha, and I'm, f- like, I'm surrounded by joyful, encouraging people who love me, who are affirming, and affirming of each other. We love each other. We love God. And then I'd go to my major, you know, and, around students who are talking about like parties and they're talking about like there's you know I was a film major so they're talking about like scripts and projects that they're writing that were definitely ungodly to say the least and I just didn't feel like I was like I didn't feel like I fit in have you ever felt like the students around you are in a totally different world than you do you think the Thessalonians might have felt that way what did they do their lives were so different it became known everywhere so that quarter, I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I'm going to love my students like Christ would. And I would tell everyone at any opportunity I had that I love Jesus. Yeah, how was your weekend? Oh, church was great. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> not really, but it was similar to that. Um, at every opportunity I had, I was telling people about Jesus. Uh, my first ever film class, the first ever project I had to a, a do, I did like a documentary, uh, shot at my home church, and I interviewed my pastors and stuff. I even had Ryan come to my class and was my prayer warrior. Um, I, just, I was just taking every opportunity I had to love students and just to love um, them and tell them about Jesus. Uh, I had one, one of my favorite stories. I was in a script writing class, and everybody would pitch their idea to class. So we'd all write our own script, and then we'd pitch it to our class. 
and then our the the class people in the class would vote and say, okay, that's a good script. We want to we want to legit write that, and so everybody would vote for like finalists. So there'd be like four or five scripts that made it. Okay, my strength was definitely not script writing, so mine flopped, and nobody wanted to write mine. But I had the opportunity to pick which one I wanted to to write, like what team I wanted to join. And one of one of oh God, I love this kid. One of our one of the students, he was just he was so known for just like this really, just like brutal like script writing like he was just like really intense like blood and gore and horror and um like death and it was just intense and like really vulgar language and stuff and i was like oh hey man like i don't want to work on that script and so this script for this class that that he had he'd written was about like grim reapers and death what happens when we die oh grim reapers reaping souls and i remember i'm in class and i had the chance to vote and i go there is no way that i am going to be on that guy's script. No way. Like that. What? I don't want to write about that. The second I said that, the Holy Spirit goes, that's the script that I want you to partner alongside. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay, Jesus. Yeah, okay, all right. So I signed up to be a part of that guy's script. And I I have no idea if there was any sort of fruit that came out of that relationship um, with some of the classmates. And there was like four or five of us. But I promise you one thing. I promise you that he knew that I had a different perspective on life after death. And I can only, I can really only pray that God touched his heart, you know. I just loved him like Christ would. And I just looked for every, any opportunity that I could have to, to love him. So do your classmates and professors know that you love Jesus? Can, other, can others take a look at our lives and see a truly different individual in the culture around us? Or are we going to try to balance a college culture with following Jesus that is not the same culture? Or are we going to be like the Thessalonians whose lives became so opposite of the culture around them that it became known everywhere? In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in conclusion, how, how do we live lives worthy of God? I've got three principles from tonight's text that I believe will help us with that. And the first is kingdom livers or kingdom tellers. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> with, with God's approval, God's pre-approval, and with honesty, We'll share the gospel to those around us. If you've never heard of friending before, uh, we usually we call it friending. It's like two-on-two evangelism. Usually, have a guy and a girl who walk around the cirque for like an hour and make make it very intentional to have a conversation, a spiritual conversation with someone about Jesus. I'd enc- I'd encourage anyone to do that. I'd encourage core members and facilitators to think about maybe this week or next week. Maybe what's the time that we could do that? Second principle. Share your life with those who need Jesus. Invite them to read the Bible with you. Invite them to Chi Alpha. Invite them to church. If they don't want to do that, that's fine. Hang out with them on the weekend. Maybe skip church every once in a while and hang out with them on Sunday morning. Why not? Invest your life into theirs. Number three, let the word of God change you. I mentioned earlier, all the Thessalonians had was the word of God. And they had memories. Verse 13, 
says that we, I, I've said it already, but we thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So the word of God completely changed the Thessalonians' lives. Is it going to change ours? Worship team, if you'd please come up, I'm going to pray for us. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, thank you um, for just the things that you've spoken to all of us. Lord, I pray and just thank you for this group of people that are so so loving, so firming, God, so full of love for you. And God, I just pray that we would really have a recognition that we're pre-approved by you. Like, Lord, remind us of that whisper that to us, remind us of that, Lord, and I just pray for divine appointments, Lord, I pray for opportunities to tell people about Jesus, I pray for students in our classes who we can love on, who we can intentionally take time to love on, and I just pray that tonight, uh, Lord, would be used by you for your glory, all for you, yeah, we just love you and praise in Jesus' name, amen.